The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. intro for Visa's primetime action Tuesday night from the South Point. Michael Gaughan's beautiful French casino here on the tip of the strip. It's Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlon. How y'all doing tonight? A whole bunch of baseball. whole bunch of baseball after a shortish baseball slate yesterday. We'll talk college football. We'll move on to the Pac-12 tonight with Pete Futak from College Football News. 32 teams and 32 shows makes it to our final division, the NFC North and the Bears, but I guess we should get to that baseball real quick, man. We should, and you mentioned all that baseball. It's all happening now. Yes. There's only a couple of games left to go tonight, uh, two this hour and then one late. We have the Reds and the Brewers. That's Tyler Molly and Corbin Burns. Burns a minus 210 favorite. If you do want to take the Reds as underdogs, and this is pretty interesting, you can get a pretty juicy number on this Reds team. Plus 180s are out there, Gil, and I understand that uh, Corbin Burns is, is awesome, but this Reds this Reds team's pretty good. <laughs> I uh, understand. Plus Plus 180 yeah. uh, out there on the Reds. Uh, that's at 810 Eastern, 510 Pacific. 810 Eastern, 510 Pacific Royals and Astros. That is Brady Singer, Luis Garcia. Garcia and the Astros, minus 260 favorites if you want the Royals, plus 210 as underdogs there. And as I mentioned, one late game tonight, that is the Dodgers and the Padres. Julio Urias is going to go for the Dodgers. Pierce Johnson is going to go for the Padres tonight. Minus 140 for the Dodgers, plus 120 for the Padres. We do have a final already in baseball. Uh, The Mariners, who just refuse to go away 5-1 to over the A's. Chris Flexen gets it done as a plus 135, plus 140-ish underdog there in that one. And the Mariners just keep winning baseball games. Chris Flexen, for those who participate in the bizarro exercise of if you backed the Mariners each and every one of his starts this year, is the single most profitable starting pitcher in all of baseball from a betting standpoint. And let me tell you, there's nothing behind that stats-wise. It's just worked out that way. So uh, Mariners get it done. They're two and a half out now. Two and a half out of the number two wildcard position, which is held by the Boston Red Sox, by the way, as the A's now... Just one game ahead of the Mariners in the AL West. The Mariners on the cusp 
of going into second place in their division. Look at that right there. Look at the Mariners knocking at the door. And yesterday, uh, as of yesterday, last time I looked, they were 13-1 to to make the playoffs. Because... Because the run differential is so bad, right? So it's it's on the one hand, you're like, well, that's got to regress back to the mean. That's why they're 13 to 1. No one expects them to get good all of a sudden. On the other hand, there's no science behind it happening in the next 38 games or right. so. And if you look, I mean, some of these guys, like, I mean, yeah, Seeger's batting average and all that great, but I mean, Seeger is a ton of power this year. Haniger has had Hanager. a monster bounce back yeah. season. For him, and you start to look at some of these other guys that are contributing up and down this lineup. And like you said, I mean, they're, yeah, if we have seen teams go on heater, like we, this is what we say all the time about sample size. And we say, like, yeah, at least with baseball over the long haul, it is a super long season. That said, in the grand scheme of things, a team can run hot yes. for the course of a season. I mean, it doesn't always have to regress. And and we keep saying this with this Mariners. We've been saying this for the last four months with the Mariners. We're like, certainly they're going to come back down to earth. And no, here they are. And we're, we're coming down to the stretch right here. And they are going to be fighting for this. I mean, the whole way through. And uh, it's just, you know, good on them. Good, good on them is all I can Remember say. Remember at the trade deadline, too. We're like, well, you, you can't. If you're in it, you kind of owe it to your fan base not to just trade away everybody. And the Mariners are in this. It could be to the end. Again, wish we had yes-no markets here in Las Vegas, here in Nevada. We do not. But for those who do have them, that's what the Mariners were yesterday. 13-1, to 1, just by comparison, the Blue Jays, who actually have a worse record than the Mariners, 5-1 to 1 to make the playoffs. So that gives you an indication of that negative run differential and how, you know, the Mariners' schedule, by the way, very middling. Not a very difficult schedule. Not a very uh, more easy than difficult. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. So, uh, by the way, the Athletics, the hardest remaining strength of schedule of all the remaining teams in the American League who are contending. Uh, We should update all the scores that are going on, and we will do so momentarily. It should be noted that history, uh, the Orioles, well on their way to adding to their 18-game losing streak. They're trailing the Angels 5-1. to We'll get all the live lines from Kelly here as the Orioles may be staring 19 in the face. It's Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, and Kelly Bidlin right here on VEASAN's Primetime Action. Those are their, uh, those are our Twitter handles right there. I'm beating the book. Matt Brown M2 and Kelly with uh, an EY VEASAN. Kelly. Updating all the scores that are going on right now, sir. Yeah, let's go whip around here. Angels, that is six to one. Angels over the Orioles right now in the top of the third inning. Uh, no live numbers currently posted for that. The Rays out early on the Phillies. They're up one nothing top of the fourth. Rays minus one twenty live. Phillies minus one ten. Six and a half is your live total. Pirates Diamondbacks back at it tonight, boys. Mm-hmm. Pirates up one nothing early, bottom of the one third. One of the most anticipated games of the season. <laughs> you, know, you know the D-backs ended up losing that game last night? I know. I, I mm-hmm. actually, I had watching SportsCenter last night. I was like, wow, this game actually got kind of interesting after we were making fun of it. <laughs> Their record on the road since April is 6-40. and 40. It's crazy. It's God. absolutely crazy. Um, White Sox up on the Blue Jays, four to nothing, top of the fourth already. White Sox minus five fifty live. Blue Jays four to one and ten to ten and a half is your uh, live total. Rangers up on the Indians three to one, bottom of the third. Rangers minus one seventy live. Indians plus one forty and ten and a half the total. Nationals and Marlins scoreless in the bottom of the third. The Giants up on the Mets, three to nothing in the bottom of the third. Giants minus three fifty live. Jets plus uh, Jets Mets yes. plus two seventy. Yes. <laughs> Nine Jets. and a half the total. Just getting ready for football season. Yeah, boys. yeah. Twins up on the Red Sox, one nothing top of the third. Red Sox still a live favorite at minus one fifty. Twins plus one twenty and nine and a half the total. Braves up on the Yankees, two to one bottom of the third. And Tigers Cardinals scoreless top of the second inning. Scooping back to that uh, White Sox Blue Jays game that you were talking about, Blue Jays up. I mean, the White Sox up four nothing on the Jays here. Of course, a game that is super important for the Jays. Uh, Gil, this was uh, Barrios, their big pickup. Three innings, nine hits Yeesh. for him, and uh, he is done after three innings for the Jays. There, White Sox up four nothing in the fourth. Yeesh. Not his first suspect uh, outing either for the Blue Jays, who are four and a half out of the number two wildcard position again, just uh, less than a quarter of the season to go. Uh, back to the Orioles for a second, and I know this, this you know, there is a betting tie-in here because the Orioles, if, if this were to hold tonight, and they are losing to the Angels once again 6-1, to one, um, 
this would be, and it's the third inning, but I should mention that the uh, that the Angels have the bases juiced with nobody out up 6-1. to one. So this could get really ugly really quickly. And so if this ends up being the 19th consecutive win for the Orioles, uh, 19th consecutive loss, pardon me, for the Orioles, it would be, it would tie for the 12th longest losing streak in the history of baseball. The Orioles franchise record, in quotes, for that is 21. They started the 1988 season with 21 consecutive losses, which many people of a certain age remember when you start a season 0 at 21. Cal Ripken Sr. was the manager then. But the all-time record, it, you know, beyond the 19th century, so modern era, is 23 uh, by the Philadelphia Phillies in 1961. So they would be four shy of that if this holds tonight. The only uh, other ones that are longer than 23 wins, well, there's one that's 23, there's one that's 24, and there's one that's 26. All 19th century teams, the Louisville Colonels with 26 in a row, the Cleveland Spiders with 24, and the Pittsburgh Alleghenies with 23. But the betting angle on this is, this is well on their way, this is well on the way to being their 19th straight loss. It would also be the 18th of 19 where they would lose on the run line in all of these. So they're mm. just getting smoked. And that we try to put this forth every night, how bad the bad teams are. One of the exercises, you know, we do frequently is look at the, uh, just like we did the, with Chris Flexen moments ago. Like, okay, if you had this bizarre exercise where you bet on Flexen, bet on the Mariners every time Flexen takes the mound, here's what you would have won. If you bet on all of these baseball teams, whether favorite or dog, every single game, basically a return on investment uh, how many units would you be up with these teams? How many units would you be down? Typically, when you go to the bottom of that list, you will see bad teams, but you will also see really good teams that are, you know, lined at about minus 200, minus 250 on many nights who just, you know, aren't as good as the market on a daily basis suggests they are. And so you'll see, like, you know, two bad teams, one really good team, another bad team, another good team. Not this year. The bad teams are so bad. That even the, the the teams that have lost a lot of games where they're lined at like minus 200 or above don't compare to the onslaught of losses night after night after night, even as dogs. That's never happened before. So it's, it's what is it? It's Arizona at the bottom, Baltimore, Texas, Minnesota, Washington, the Cubs, Marlins, the Pirates. You have to go seven, excuse me, eight teams deep, nine, before you get to a team like the Padres, who's not in that group. <laughs> it's incredible. That's how bad it is. There it is on the screen. D-backs, Orioles, and Rangers. And by the way, if you are betting on these teams every single night, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah, I mean, you should you should assess what you're yeah. what you're doing just, and what you why you're say. doing it. Right. Yeah. And and exactly why you're doing it. So Gil, we were we were in here last night and we were watching some preseason football and a couple of things actually happened in that game. We mentioned it on the show, of course, and have no idea how things are gonna play out. Well, it comes out that the first-round pick of the Jaguars running back, Travis Etienne, placed on season-ending IR. He was. We talked about how he was on the sideline limping badly during the game. Well, it turns out he has the dreaded list Frank injury in the foot, going to be out for the entire season. And so with that, I mean, you know, we were – we were talking about it. We've been, you know, we we were been joking back and forth about some teams playing people, some teams not playing people, some teams doing this, some teams doing that. And so, like, you see something like this, and there's the case for not playing people. And then there's the other thing yeah. for, you know, someone's going to show up in week one that didn't play in the preseason, and, he, and they are going to look rusty as all get out. And people are going to say, that's why you play people in the preseason. So mm-hmm. there's no right answer. There's no whatever. But, uh, you know, that is just a, a big bummer for this Jag squad. That, again, we, we didn't expect to win very many games this year, but maybe get a little bit more competitive. And, uh, you know, for having their first-round pick, not even get in a single snap in the regular season this year. That is a, a big bummer. For Feels so bad for him. Yeah. Oh, it's just such a bad break for him and and, and the Jaguars, of course. The, the one thing, though, going back to your point there, though, where you're right, you're damned if you do sometimes, mm-hmm. you're damned if you don't. I, I do think the most interesting exchange we had last night was with Bryant McFadden about that. And the difference this year, though, versus other years, because a lot of people immediately are like, oh, no one played last year, and there were still some good performances. Yes, but that was everybody. Nobody played. You're going to have situations this year, and it's the first time we've seen the three-week preseason where the fourth game is you know, replaced by an off week mm-hmm. before the regular season. So the stark difference with which we will see certain week one opponents show up for week one having gone, having having just come from a completely diametrically opposed handling of the preseason in some cases. That's the interesting little quirk 
that we have this year that I don't think we've ever had mm-hmm. before. Because universally last year, and I mean, it used to be the year before last and, and all years before that, week three was the dress rehearsal and week four was everybody sits everybody. So it was kind of just like everybody played it the same yeah. way. This year is going to be completely different. And, and Bryant really, Bryant McFadden, he, he seized on that Giants team specifically. Because it's one thing for Dak Prescott not to get reps. It's one thing maybe for Justin Herbert not to get reps, although I'm not necessarily buying that it's another thing. But the Daniel Jones Giants thing was interesting. Yeah. He was, he's shocked by that. The, the other thing we didn't bring up last night, and I got to thinking about it after we, after we got off air, and so I wanted to, to bring that up now. So we look here, and, and Jameis Winston goes out and has what, in all, for all intents and purposes, is securing the winning, you know, the starting job mm-hmm. for, for the Saints. I mean, like, there's no way if you're Sean Payton. I honestly believe deep down Sean Payton wanted to start Taysom Hill, but at this point, there's just no way he can possibly do it. He so loves him some Taysom James, Hill. J- James Winston pretty much won the gig last night. So, you know, we've talked about this and like, you know, yes, it is a completely arbitrary thing and like it is completely subjective and all that. But this comeback player of the year mm-hmm. award, oh, yeah. Yeah. right? That so, move today. So you've got Dak Prescott, who is, again, still yet to throw, like, full full on in practice, and we're still we're a couple weeks from the season. Joe Burrow, who has not seen any preseason work whatsoever, and, you know, they're hoping, they're saying, we'll be ready for week one. Right, but Joe Burrow, I would argue, is not coming back from anything. You don't get a comeback player of the year after six games. Right. Well, I guess they would say coming back from the ACL injury, right? Okay. Or but whatever. If, but if I'm a voter, I'm not yeah. voting that. Saquon Barkley is not going to get the stats and the whatever again and uh, to to be able to do that. Well, and another guy who hasn't played this preseason. And yeah, yeah, and hadn't played at all. So we don't know if he's 100% going to be ready for week one all that. You start trickling down. You look. So, again, we say this. What's Carson Wentz coming back from? Shame? That doesn't. He's not going to win anything. George Kittle? I mean, come on. George Kittle only missed like a few games. So, you get to Jameis Winston <laughs> at 12-1 to 1, where if he wins the starting gig and they go a game over, game or two over 500 and he puts up like some pretty decent stats and stuff like that, like of, I think of all of these on here – Especially after last night with now that we know the reason we didn't want to bet Jameis for the for the longest time was we were like, he he might not win this job. He might actually honestly might not get the job. He has to have the job now. Twelve to one. I don't think that's a horrible I mean again, you know, we don't advocate really locking up your money for a whole season all that much. But Yeah. I like that better than anyone else on that board. Yeah. Jameis also returning from shame, as Isaiah points out downstairs, I guess. Well, it, but it was kind of like he was <laughs> written off as a starter, yeah. right? Yeah, like, so true. there's at least a storyline there. It was well, like so that's cast what aside. You, what you just said, storyline, right? Yeah. We said with the Major League Baseball awards, with all these awards in it, whatever sport, there has to be a narrative, mm-hmm. right? There, the, the, these voters love a story. And so that's why, getting back to the whole, it's Fernando Tatis. They're in love with Fernando Tatis for MVP, but somehow Brandon Crawford's barely listed. He's, right. he's like, come on, the, the, something's not. You just you're obsessed with this story of Fernando Tatis, and you're not your imagination is not captured by Brandon Crawford. Not to say that he should win it, but you get the idea. In the case of Jameis Winston, you're exactly right. He has been the butt of jokes yeah. for years. The last time he was a starter, right? He set a historically horrible record, yes, and then was cast off and like, okay, he's never gonna, you know, he's never gonna be a starter again. He'll be a he'll be a backup for the he'll be a clipboard holder for the rest of his life. Then just. Goes to the perfect opportunity with a team that had an older quarterback that was retiring. And look, he looked good. It's a preseason game, and I get it, and I understand all that. But, like, he looks good. It wasn't like he doesn't have talent. He was just reckless with the ball. Well, People can fix things. We, you know, you know, careers can get resurrected, and maybe it's <laughs> LASIK can occur. LASIK can occur. <laughs> maybe Sean Payton really is a genius. You know, like whatever. Like, yeah, there, there's all kinds of things going on here. And again, I, I just, I thought about this after we got home. I was kind of like, well, what can you actually bet this guy? Because he's not going to win MVP. He's not going to win, you know, whatever. But like, ah, twelve to one, come back. Did you bet it? What's that? Did you bet it last night? I, I don't know where we have so that. so. That, available that's, here in town. That's the interesting. I think there is one book here in town that offers it, and I because I looked around this morning. Okay. Started started thinking a little bit the same thing. Yeah. I saw a lot of people tweeting about. It. I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. And, and he was 
he was t- up towards 20, 25 to 1, I think, in some spots when we looked at this a couple months ago. And rightfully so, because, again, right. he was actually – we didn't even know he was going to be a starter, right? Right. Like, so and so those – I guess the, those odds have been coming down a little bit, but I, I saw people, a couple people tweet he was over 20 to 1 in a lot of places today. And I think if you find 12 to 1 from what I searched around this morning – 12 to 1 is about the high, highest odds you're going to find on it. He's like 10 to 1 or under now. I think it's all just basically because of last night. This one, we had this graphic up earlier, but this is one stat from uh, Next Gen Stats la- uh, last night. His first, that first touchdown pass to Marcus Callaway we saw mm-hmm. traveled 53.3 yards in the air. The most air distance on a Saints passing touchdown since 2016. Jeez. <laughs> Drew Brees' arm. Yeah, just the wow. difference. Yes. It makes perfect sense. Been that long. My goodness. Um, some of these, can I just say about some of these, though? Mm. And I want to get back to some of these people on this. Joe Burrow, I stand by what I said. Joe Burrow's not coming back from anything in terms of accomplishment on the field. He's played six games. There's no comeback player of the year award for that. Right? Sam Darnold cannot be the comeback player of the year. Do you, do you want to say most improved for Sam Darnold? Oh, okay, maybe that could be. But he's not a comeback player of the year. And Joe Burrow, again, is not coming. So there's certain people that I don't even believe the definition applies to them here. It's like this is like what we complain. Like we complain about this with like some of the NBA awards, though, where it's like they don't even fit the exact title. So I'm just going back and looking at past winners. So Alex Smith last year. Makes complete sense, the right? Award, like, the award the, should be named it after It should be him. named after the guy, yes. right? But then like Ryan Tannehill's the year before. I mean, like Ryan Tannehill, what? He's well, that's why, because like some of these, so the Dolphins, the first, the first four guys on here, it's all just injury stuff, right? right. Like it's just, it's strictly just coming back from injury. And then like you get to like a Wentz and a Kittle and a Garoppolo, where it's like, I mean, they missed some games, but it wasn't like they missed a whole season or coming back from like a catastrophic mm-hmm. injury or kind of anything like that. Right. And so like now the injury thing starts to change because it's like, okay, now it's just like a minor injury with those guys. And then, and then you get to like the narrative stuff. Like you're talking about the Darnold and the, yeah. the Winston and you know, the different things like that. So it's like, yeah, it's just, it's, it, there's no rhyme or reason as to why it, it is a bulk and, though. Like we go back through this list, the bulk of them are injury related. So 2019 was right. It was Ryan Tannehill, but then you go 2018 and, Andrew Luck coming back off an injury, right? Keenan Allen in 2017 coming off an injury. Jordy Nelson in 2016 coming off an injury. Eric Be- Berry in 2015 coming off a cancer, right? Like, I mean, it was, I mean, so it is, mo- the bulk of these are very much injury related, which, which makes, maybe that makes that more interesting of who to look at. The Tannehill thing is interesting though, because it kind of sets precedent. He wasn't particularly great before. Which is the mm. which is the the argument I'm trying to make is to be yeah, a comeback player par. of the year, yeah. right? You're coming back uh, from some semblance of of play, so that's a little that is a little uh, monkey wrench in the whole theory on this, because if he can win, then maybe someone else that I'm not thinking could could in fact. If you understand yeah, but the I, I kind of think he falls in that same camp as like a Jameis of that thinking. Like, okay, you were on one team you did not have a good career with. You stepped away, and then you led another team to the playoffs. Right, I guess but, I'm guessing but Jameis was a number one pick in the draft. That's true. He was so hyped. He's been, he's been in the league for so many years. People have busted on him. Again, Bonds, Canseco, Jameis. 30-30 club. I hope he does great this year so we can just keep bringing that up all, all, all year long. <laughs> uh, I like it. I like it. I think Jameis is the... Uh, it's interesting anyway. Yeah. What's Jimmy G There's coming? a story. Jimmy G coming back from a short injury. Coming back from being good looking. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll uh, update all kinds of baseball scores. And uh, 32 teams and 32 shows with the Chicago Bears. Dub Bears. Pete Futak on Pac-12 football. It is VEASAN's primetime action. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. 
basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist, season two, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. Just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Vsin's Prime Time Action, Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, and Kelly Bidlin. Uh, just wrapping up that conversation. So we 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 sort of had a an interesting. It wasn't really a disagreement, but we looked at the Ryan Tannehill case differently. Just to clarify, you guys thought that was like sort of a check for the Jameis Winston side of things. Like that's a precedent for Jameis, whereas I viewed it as a precedent for the Sam Darnolds of the world. In other words, like you can be kind of meh and still win the comeback player of the year if you improve on that, even though I think that's most improved and not comeback. To me, Jameis is his own, like, career-long butt-of-jokes category. Yeah. No one is quite I like. think it was just that, just the one outlier of the non-injury, right? Like, yeah. just, like, the one thing where it's like, okay, you can at least win this deal without, without it being a serious injury or something like that. But, I mean, look. Again, we go down, we, there's like warts. We can like point at warts on like every single one of these guys. Mm-hmm. And then you get to like Jameis and you kind of start going, I mean, look, he's healthy. He's, he's got the LASIK. He's on a team that might win, that might have a winning record. Like, I mean, like there's, there's a lot of reasons to, I mean, like, again, what is, what's Jimmy Gar- Like, what he missed like four or five right. games? Like, I mean, what's, well, Michael Thomas is an interesting one too, right? Yeah. Coming back from, from poor surgery planning. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Here you go, Michael. <laughs> Well done. Uh, everybody who uh, said 
Vonder Franco, you know, comes up, big hyped prospect for the Rays, and how oh he was disappointing his first, you know, first time up. They send it back down, he comes back up again, and uh, here he is now tied King Griffey Jr. and Roberto, Roberto Alomar for the longest streaks of reaching base safely, twenty five straight games for uh, people under twenty one years of age. So he's gonna be okay. Pretty, it's gonna be okay. Pretty good. Jason Weingarten and I did blind resume for American League Rookie of the Year yesterday. Randy Arosarena. Uh, Vonder Franco's teammate in Tampa Bay, who had this spectacular postseason last year, but is still eligible for AL Rookie of the Year. He's the short shot. We did blind resume from the last 30 days, and Vonder Franco is doing perhaps better than he is. So, yeah, he's going to be just fine. Uh, and the Tampa Bay Rays, by the way, by extension, are going to be uh, just fine. So, um, we were here for opening night for Vonder Franco, right? Yeah, yeah. What yeah. He, he, uh, he, he, hit, he hit a home run, remember? Yeah, in his, in his, in his, I, mean, I mean, they've got. That Rays team, the one thing they do have is a super deep farm system as well. And so that is, you know, with the young guys like him, and they still have another couple of guys. Bruhan is still down in the minors. who He's a top ten prospect in all of baseball. Like, they're going to be around. They're just always going to be that team that's around. Do you think, do you guys both think that in any of these baseball awards, well, Rookie of the Year is a little different because it could be, I guess in the NL it could be anybody still, maybe even in the AL. But – for MVP, for Cy Young, like, do you think the, there's a one of these awards with, again, less than a quarter of this regular season left, and it's a regular season award, do you think there's a name in any of those categories that nobody's thinking about right now who's going to win one of those awards? Because this happens all the time, right, in baseball, where we think someone is absolutely a lock to get something, and then last Stretch of the season, you know, Freddie Freeman did it with MVP last year. There was a year where Chris Sale was, was going to be the AL Cy Young for the entire season almost through July. He didn't win it. So I, I wonder if there's somebody in one of these categories. Like here's, I'll, I'll pepper you guys with questions because I'm not okay. the big baseball guy. Because I, I, have, I have a theory on one. Okay, you got a theory. Okay, is there any way, any way Shohei Otani wins, goes in to win AL Cy Young? Yes. Because he's he his odds keep get cut uh, keep getting cut. He's down to twenty one right now. Well, it'd be also weird too if he won MVP. Imagine a pitcher winning MVP but not the Cy Young. Well, and that's kind of my point. Like, is is there is there going to be such a even a grander Shohei narrative that they just get they want to give both awards to the guy? Yes, it's a it's a very distinct possibility. I, I just think. don't know if he'll have the innings. You know, like I think when it's all said and done, they might look and say he was awesome. But he pitched half of what all these other guys did. Could be. Could okay. be. NL MVP. That's the one I want to talk about. Any Okay. Who's the most likely, in your opinion, if Tatis doesn't win it, who's most well, likely? So here's the point I want to make. If the Padres don't make the playoffs, and oh, by the way, they're on the outside looking in, all these people that are so infatuated with Fernando Tatis Jr., how's he different than Bryce Harper, who may not make the playoffs? How's he different from Juan Soto on a national team that won't make the playoffs? Like, there's a lot of guys that people have stumped for, and I'm like, I'm not so sure Juan Soto's not better than all of them, and none of those guys are going to make the playoffs. Now, the Braves, though, look to be running away with the NL East at this point, and I really do wonder if Freddie Freeman is going to sneak through the back door again. Well, and the ones I noticed on there is Freeman and, Va- and Votto, who you brought up last Votto. week. Those numbers keep getting cut. Yes. I mean, Freeman's down to plus 850, Votto down to 20 to 1. And we stumped for him at 50 to 1, Votto. And if I, the Dodgers just blow past and win the West by five or six games, I mean, Muncie is having a pretty awesome season. It's well. so tough with the Dodgers because there's so many players, right? And the Giants, who have had the best record in baseball all season, almost coast to coast, not a single mention of any one of them. That is Giants magic, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, office performance last night. We should probably look at Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL, that market. Let's do that next on VEASAN's Primetime Action. Now that the NFL preseason is in full swing, it is the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide out now. 
The guide is only $19.99 and available now. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up for a VEASAN all-access, or I should say sign up for VEASAN all-access is what we're calling it, and get everything we offer for the entire football season. That's VEASAN all-access. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. There's uh, Tom Brady and Gronk on the cover. You're Super Bowl champions from last year. Uh, Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin, uh, Trevor Lawrence yesterday. Mm. Choppy? Is that kind? Uh, performance with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, uh, Matt mentioned earlier, Travis Etienne out for the season. The offensive line, like Swiss cheese, not a really good strength for the Jaguars here in the first couple weeks of the preseason. I think, for me, there's an, there's an alternate season win total under perhaps in my future on this team. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence is still the short shot to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Plus 350 is where you can find him at DraftKings. And uh, it makes sense. He's starting week one. So if things do go well, he's the guy sort of uh, in the driver's seat, if you will, for mm-hmm. this award. Justin Fields is 6-1. to one. And by the way, in case you missed it, Matt Nagy, in case you didn't believe him, one more time today is like, hey, just so you know, uh, Justin Fields is yes. playing the third preseason game. Andy Dalton is not because Andy Dalton is my yes. week one starter. And we keep saying, so do not bet this six to one. It will be larger after week one. So if you want Justin Fields, take it then. Zach Wilson, who will start week one for the Jets. Week five is what we've got, sir. No, week four. Week, week four. four. Lions is the Bears. But if yes. you want to go, I mean, if Andy Dalton is just the worst quarterback you've ever seen in your whole life, at least at least just wait till wait through week one because he is definitely going to start Andy Dalton come hell or high water. So, you're get better than six to one on fields. Andy Dalton, quote, it's my time, unquote. <laughs> uh, Zach Wilson plus seven fifty. He will start week one for the Jets. Trey Lance is also plus seven fifty. And uh, Kyle Shanahan being kind of coy about who he's starting week one at this point. Najee Harris, the running back the Steelers picked at twenty four at eight to one. Kyle Pitts, interesting, ten to one. A lot of people loving Kyle Pitts. I know you got some Kyle Pitts angles, man. Mm-hmm. Mac Jones, ten to one. Cam Newton right now, not in camp. He'll come back on Thursday at the earliest. Is this an opportunity for Mac Jones to start earlier than one might have expected? He's 10 to 1 to win offensive rookie of the year. Then Jamar Chase, who the Bengals have, uh, you know, not he's, he's not had a great preseason here with the Bengals. He's 16 to 1. Then Jalen Waddell and Javante Williams, both 20 to 1. I, I think the interesting one is, like I said, I'm, I am going to bet Justin Fields after week one and then probably again after week four, depending on, depending on how it looks whenever. Uh, how bad Andy Dalton is there in week one. If there actually is a chance that field starts in week two, I'll probably have to go ahead and fire after week one. But um, I think the Mac Jones one's fairly interesting now, too. I mean, they are, there is talk from people who are really plugged in to the Patriots organization who are saying that they are super frustrated with the Cam Newton situation, that they do not like that he chose not to get vaccinated and that, that he has to, that has to keep him away from the team for five days. They asked Bill Belichick, is this a massive opportunity for Mac Jones? And he said, it is. So he was just straightforward and said that it was. I read the practice report today from one of the beat writers who said they had him running through all of the like high-pressure, intense situations in practice today. So they were doing two-minute drills. They were doing the like the defensive coordinator would just yell out a situation, and then like the offense and the defense had to run out there and basically like you know, play out, you know, whatever, third and 11, two minutes left, whatever, and they have to do all that. And that was Mac Jones running all of those simulations and running all those things and mm. doing all the stuff that, you know, again, it seemed like you were trying to get a guy ready. Um, and at least, again, this is just the, from from the beat writer that was there and was able to take everything in. But, um, you know, again, we, we brought it up last night and kicked it around and all that. I was like, you know, is this something that might – stick in the craw of Bill Belichick that's like, hey, this guy's supposed to be our leader and he's not choosing to do something that I consider to be something that maybe a leader would do and all that. And, and, you know, again, he didn't he didn't say anything other than that this is definitely a big opportunity for Mac Jones. But the fact that he even just left the door open there is a little bit interesting. How pumped are the Patriots with that pick right now? Like that is one. You think about these picks and obviously it's again preseason's not even done. So we don't want to like you know, catapult anyone into the Hall of Fame. But right now, as it looks, that might be the finest value pick that has been made. Yeah, no, I, I and I think my opinions shifted pretty pretty drastically over the past couple of months where it, like I I, I didn't like Mac Jones nearly as much as some of those the other quarterbacks that went. I, you know, I kind of thought he was at the bottom end and I thought I thought Cam Newton was gonna get another shot and maybe he still will as the kind of the veteran there first. But 
Now, I mean, I of all that stuff that that you're talking about right now, I think it makes a lot of sense. These like, quotes from Belichick, and again, I understand he's super dry, and he's like not the guy that reveals a ton of stuff, but he's like. You know, they ask him about the situation. He goes, we'll evaluate everything the way that we always do. And then he goes on, like, they ask him again about the order. And he said, he said, I don't have anything to add to the statement. It is what it is. We've given you all the information that we have. I love when someone then follows up with the same question. You know? Belichick goes, like, like I said. Yeah, so, he's yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. have anything to add to the statement. Yeah. And all this stuff. But, like, he didn't. He did not say Cam Newton is our starter. You know, like, like that never came out through all these questions. So, like, so translate that to me here on this market, this betting market. Does that mean you would bet Mac Jones at 10-1? to 1? I think it's far more interesting today to me where I was nearly convinced it was Cam Newton no matter what. But now that he's now that this has come about it is it is one of those things where it is far more interesting to me today than it was even yesterday so i'm going to do a little bit more digging try to read a little bit more of these beat reporters guys and things that are out there every single day and taking this stuff in but i mean they seem to think and maybe that's just for clicks and maybe it's where i understand how the, how media works but they seem to think that it is a legitimate chance that Cam might have messed up. And and I'll go one step further. And by the way, if you're watching the Orioles game, it's only 11 to 2 Angels. It's crazy. (laughs) In the fourth. Um, I like Mac Jones at 10 to 1 today better than I like our Justin Fields strategy of waiting for him for week four. Mm, Because the Bears are still the Bears, and we'll preview them at 32 teams at 32 shows coming up. We don't have any evidence to suggest that Matt Nagy, whether it's Justin Fields or Pick your great Bears quarterback of yore. Okay, that's the list. But I'm just saying, I don't know. I think Mac Jones, with all those defensive players showing back up for the Patriots, and we know it's Bill Belichick, that's a team that is going to be good. And so when you vote on something like this, ultimately a record, the, your record seeps into the uh, calculus of this. I think Mac Jones at 10-1 to 1 is probably the best bet on that board, unless you think Kyle Pitts is his own super-worldly, supernatural right. force. That would be the only other way you could convince I, me. I guess I'd be more interested in just betting Mac Jones week one starter at plus 225 than that. But it's... I think I see a little bit more competition on this board. I did bet Najee Harris already for full transparency. I did bet him at uh, 12 to 1, I think, to win the rookie of the year. It's a little bit better number than what you're seeing now. Uh, but yeah, I, I think those names are definitely interesting. I do like that Najee Harris over seven and a half touchdowns. Yeah, rushing I touchdown. love that bet. Yeah, yeah. like that one. All right, um, Mac Jones, we've yet to find out, but we will soon whether he is a week one starter with the Patriots, or will it be Cam Newton? We'll come back, we'll shift to college football, and we'll begin talks about the Pac-12, who, by the way, made some news today, a very strange announcement, some kind of alliance, and we're not really sure what the alliance is about. Pete Futak will shed some light on that and give us his thoughts on the conference. It's Beeson's Primetime Action. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. 
I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's the time, the perfect time, to start planning your football contest strategy, and the VEASAN Pro Football Guide is the perfect way to start with that. Our VEASAN experts have won major football contests around Las Vegas. Our guide will give insight on against the spread contest, as well as survivor pools to give you a winning edge. Download the VEASAN NFL Guide today for only $19.99, or get VEASAN All Access to get everything we offer for the entire football season. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Do we have an announcement to make? I was going to say, we might have even made a little announcement here. We might have, might have made a deal here. <laughs> Here over the over the text a little bit we, earlier, Kelly. Today. Do we have an announcement to make? Kelly has no idea what we're talking. about. I have about. no idea what you're talking. Yes, about. Yes, I think we Kelly have an responded to it and doesn't yes. even know what we're talking about. He's not paying attention. That but. we're going to put in a collective entry. Yes. Oh yes, yes. Into the absolutely announce it. Where we will at the end of every show on Friday. Mm-hmm. Open the curtain and, and, and reveal, like, you know, how we're going about all this and what picks we're going to make. Unless, that is, until until we get to, yeah, unless, until like, the know. second half of the season or, or the last quarter, if yeah. we're still in it, then we're not saying a word. No, then we're not saying anything. Just want to get the ground rules Sounds out. Sounds good. Primetime action entry. Like it. I like it. I like I, it, it, it That will be fun. That will be fun. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure there will not be any arguing whatsoever oh, what picks. None whatsoever. Kelly, yeah. Kelly, Kelly responded responded to the text and then is like, I have no idea. I was in, on important <laughs> communications <laughs> like, here. Okay? I was blacked out when I responded to that text, actually. <laughs> like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Kelly, do you want a safe word when we have arguments about what <laughs> picks to make? Popcorn. Popcorn. <laughs> uh, Jameis Winston, who we were talking about earlier uh, for Comeback Player of the Year, and the potential of betting that at 12 to 1. You may find it interesting to know that over at BetMGM today, for NFL MVP after his 9 for 10 for 123 yard, two touchdown performance yesterday against the Jaguars, uh, MVP, he went down from 66 to 1 to 50 to 1. Get it while it's hot. Get not, it while it's hot. Not winning MVP. Yeah. No. Not winning MVP. But Don't think so. Yeah. Let's talk some Pac 12 football. Let's bring him in uh, from collegefootballnews.com. My pleasure to talk to him the second time today. It's Pete Futak, everybody, at Pete F I U T A K on Twitter. How you doing, Pedro? You good? So, are you those types that don't say the words no hitter when there is a no hitter? So, when you're going through this bet you're going to do, and you say at the very end you're not going to speak of it, is that kind of your uh, kind of thing that you guys are going to do here? Oh, do you refer to the contest? 
that we were just talking yeah. about? Oh, no. What we yeah. were saying was if we're actually in contention. We cannot give away the goods. Yes. That we that once oh the, I got you now I got you now right I was say you, do, you want to yeah. jinx it you don't want, I got you now. because okay. our co- our competitors will not have the public platform that we will have and we will just we won't sure. we don't want to share our picks with them it's a little strategery is what it is Pete Futek um, we kind of mean of you actually because uh, what do you what do you guys need money for what are you going to do with that you... <laughs> oh, I don't know I think we'll I mean we could take it a step further and really mislead them with like five dummy picks that we're well, not making that, at all that you we know, will never do you know Salinas James <laughs> Salinas after he finished first and third in the Super Contest he won it one year then he finished third and then the third year by the way the fourth year he finished 26 but the year in between he did a numbers game every Friday and that's exactly how our segments ended up I was like are you telling the truth James we would like spend a minute <laughs> looking at each other like are you being Serious? You lying, uh, Pete? Before, hey, we but get... those picks might work though. That's the problem. Those picks that's true. It's against the spread. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I know. Right. 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 It's You're against the spread, right. right? I mean, yeah. It's, in theory, it should be, you know, coin flip. Pete, real quick before we get to the to your Pac-12 thoughts, uh, betting wise, all this season, uh, the Pac-12 made some news today. You and I talked about that talked about it this morning, and we were both a little like beyond the headline. The headline was that the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC, really spearheaded by the Pac-12 are expected to formally announce their alliance today, Tuesday. And they went ahead and did this today. Uh, beyond the headline, it was a little hazy to us what this actually meant because schedules are made so far in advance. There's no indication that they would immediately go to schedules. And here's the quote from Pac-12 Commissioner George. You want to take a shot at that, man? Klyavkov? Klyavkov. Okay, there Good you call. go, on the new alliance. Quote, the historic alliance announced today between, between the Pac-12, ACC, and Big Ten is grounded in a commitment to our student-athletes. Of course it is. We believe that collaborating together, we're stronger in our commitment to addressing the broad issues and opportunities facing college athletics. All right, distill that real quick for me, Pete. What does any of this mean? First of all, they love nothing more than a power dunk on the SEC when it comes to the academic side of things because they do have all the really smart colleges and stuff. And so they like to overpat themselves on the back with the student-athlete side. They're saying all the right things about social issues and wanting to be on the forefront of college athletics and all this other type of all that stuff. All this means is that they don't want the SEC to have all the spots in the college football playoff. They didn't come to an agreement on revenue share. They didn't come to an agreement that you can't go dance with each other's dates and you can't steal each other's uh, schools or anything like this. And schedules, you're right. 2036-ish is about when any of their alliances would start, at least for football. All this really is are the three big, big, big conferences colluding and saying, you know what? When we start talking about college football playoff expansion again, SEC, you ain't getting six teams in. And the SEC kind of botched this because had they done their collusion expansion thing after the college football playoff expansion kicked in, they'd have been great. But now there's no way they're going to have like four or five teams now because what the Alliance team conferences are going to say is, we each want to have like two or three of our own teams in this thing. And or they're going to make a rule that you can't have more than three teams in. And the SEC is effectively hosed on that. Mm. Pete, I don't want to like get too, I don't want to get too sports talk radio here, but I mean, with all of this and what the SEC did and what they're doing here and all that, I mean, this is the beginning of the end of the NCAA, right? I mean, like, what do they need them for? I, I mean, like what do, they, no. what do they need them for after this? There's other sports, and you know, as an anti-non-revenue sport, I, I won't get into that, but the NCAA is still necessary for all the other sports. Uh, they do have other functions. They're not really going to uh, monitor or police these schools anymore as much as they did. It's really more of a function of business, insurance, scholarships, and all the other really boring administrative stuff that actually needs to happen. There are other sports. Let me look into that. Yeah. Uh, Pete, Pac-12. No, there really aren't. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Oregon, with I guess uh, Washington having something to say about it in the North, and then USC, the favorite uh, in the South. Let's start with Oregon. Um, do you believe this is a team that has a legit shot, first of all, beyond just winning the North, uh, winning the Pac 12, and perhaps getting themselves to a college football national playoff? They better. They're good enough. And I think, you know, when we all automatically kind of knee jerk reaction, who are the teams going to be in the college football playoff automatically? If you don't know anything about college football, you're still going to say Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, maybe even Georgia. But Oregon's been recruiting at that high level, too. They've been getting top five recruiting classes. They've got the starting 22 to be able to hang with anybody in the country. So there really is no excuse to not shoot for the college football playoff. I don't know if they have quite enough to win it all because there's always going to be some monster SEC team that blows through everybody, but Oregon's going to have enough to win the Pac-12 title. Now, 
They always blow it at some point, but they don't have that annual November Arizona-ish game uh, that they always seem to, to misfire on. Uh, but they're good enough to go to Ohio State and beat uh, Columbus and beat Ohio State, and they're good enough to get through a schedule that doesn't have USC on it. Pete, there's a bunch of these kind of middling win totals, like none of them that are super high. We see a bunch of like eight, eight and a half, seven, seven and a half, stuff like that. Is there any team kind of jumbled in there of the Washington, USC, Arizona State, Utah, all of these, even like we'll throw UCLA in there. Is there any one of these teams you feel is being vastly overrated or underrated one way or the other? My number one pick of all of college football over-unders is Stanford with the over on the four, and I don't know why everyone is freaked out about Stanford with this all-pack, all-power uh, five schedule. The team that won four games last year, they're actually better this year. Uh, I think they're going to beat Kansas State in week one. They do have some nasty games on the slate. They're going to beat Vanderbilt on the road. They can certainly beat UCLA. They can certainly take care of a Washington or Utah at home. All you're talking about is getting to five games and Cal at home. There's a lot of nasty games on the slate. You still get Washington State. You still get Oregon State. They're on the road, but they can at least split those. This is a seven-ish win team, not a four-win team, and it's certainly not going to go under on the four. Yeah, what is it? Vandy, Kansas State, and Notre Dame. Those are the uh, the uh, other big. Notre Dame comes through yeah, uh, Palo Alto too. Power Five conferences, so not a there is not a single non-Power Five uh, team on Stanford's schedule. Um, I want to go to Cal because uh, I've lived most of my adult life in the Bay Area, and we talked about Cal for years where they were just so offensively powerful, but their defense was terrible. Now they're more of a defensive outfit than they are offensive. Uh, offensive. Uh, any thoughts on them at 25 to 1 or 6 or maybe beyond Cal? Let me let me phrase it this because we only have two minutes. If Oregon or Washington or USC, if those three teams do not win the Pac-12, give me the team that will. Uh, Utah, but that's from the south. So to go back up to Cal, yeah, they've, they've got the coaching staff. Justin Wilcox is fantastic. They've got the defense as long as quarterback Chase Garver stays healthy. They've got enough offense to get by. They're going to have a firefight with Nevada to start the season. They got to go to TCU. Uh, they miss Arizona State and Utah from the south. That's not bad. I think they could get over six wins, and I definitely think they're going to go bowling. I would go over on the six. Pete, it's uh, it's a little bit away. We got a you know week one here, but UCLA, LSU, uh, LSU going out west. It's a four point spread right now in favor of LSU. Do you think they go on the road with the, the young quarterback and get it done, or you think UCLA can pull the upset? Always nasty to try to figure out week ones. And as I mentioned with Gil this morning, I do like you at UCLA to beat Hawaii and cover in the week zero game. And it is Christmas time the other way. Look, LSU is just that good. They've got the lines. They've got the talent. They are good enough to be a nine and three, maybe even 10 and two team. Uh, And until UCLA can prove it can win games like this, the fun stat on this program is under Chip Kelly, they have yet to win a non-conference game. And now you're going to deal with uh, LSU and just four points. Uh, I just, because it's week one, we don't know anything really about these teams quite yet, but just on talent level alone, that four is very, very easily done for LSU. Uh, speaking of interconference games involving PAC 12 teams, September 11th, Oregon, 13 and a half or 13 point dogs against Ohio state. Did I hear you indicate that you would take the points? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a too many points. That's, that's only two touchdowns, obviously, against Ohio State. They're good enough to win this game outright, if not just cover that thing. So definitely uh, take Oregon in 13 and a half. Really? You think they're good enough to win that outright, huh? They're good enough to get to the college football playoff. They're good enough. They've got the talent, if they get decent quarterback play, to beat anybody in college football. Ohio State's still talented. They're still young. They're rebuilding just about everywhere. So they're awfully good. Oregon's got the skill. They got that starting 22 to actually get this done. Okay. Pretty strong. Pete Futak, collegefootballnews.com. A trove of college football information. Pete, I still owe you a text. I'm aware of that. Eh, going. I'll, I'll pick shame you later. <laughs> Pete Futak, everybody. Uh, at Pete, F-I-U-T-A-K on Twitter is where you can find him. 32 teams and 32 shows next with the Chicago Bears. Uh, we'll update all the baseball scores. This time for real, I promise. It's a decent prime time action.
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.